You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! On this episode, I'm joined by Susquehanna Alchemy's Michael Wan. Mike and I have great conversations about false time and how to break out of it, the power of words and how they've been corrupted over time. We also touch on theories of our reality and if it's possible to manipulate. Obviously, I appreciate Mike coming on, but we fought through at least a dozen disconnections. Mike kept his composure through these obstacles and was able to pick up his train of thought immediately. Huge shout out to Mike for doing that. It was really tough and he fought through it. Great job. Check out the show notes for his website and let him know that you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's wild, A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and today my guest is Michael Wan of Susquehanna Alchemy. Welcome, Michael. Ryan, thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation even before it begins. I appreciate it. We had a nice little pre-conversation. Everything was flowing great. So I'm sure now that we hit record, it's going to get even better. Let's hope so. Because what, what I was telling you before we started recording, I had this, there was, a, there was once upon a time, like a handful of years ago, I was doing a lot of podcasts. I, would, I was probably uh, maybe two a week for almost a year. Like not just, not my own, like going and being guests on others. And that has drastically stopped probably over the last, over the last year, maybe I've been on um, outside of like some of the regular shows I go on, maybe four or five different podcasts. So when you reached out to me and asked if I'd come on the show, I was excited for it because, you know, it's, it used to be something I did a lot. And I haven't done it. And, you know, it's fun for me. I think that's one of the reasons why, why people go on podcasts as guests is because they enjoy, they enjoy the opportunity for conversation. So that being said, I had this idea in my mind. I'm getting ready to move out of this place, which I'm living in. Uh, the The time here had been has been nice, but I'm kind of like reminiscing as it's winding down. The weather's beautiful, and I was like, "What a great 
evening to sit out on this farm and have this conversation with Brian and see where it goes. And then the one thing, the one kind of like the little splinter about this location where I live is about it's it's a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere in eastern northeastern Pennsylvania. But there is a NASCAR minor league NASCAR racetrack and maybe a mile or two away. And they usually do races just on the weekends. But for whatever reason, they're doing a race tonight. And it is so deafening. You can't even imagine how loud it is. So I could not, I could not have my, I could not have my experience, which I was hoping to have outside speaking with you. But that being said, I think it's going to be a really good and interesting call. Maybe, maybe this is better so I can be a little bit more focused because I think we're going to go into some interesting and deep content tonight. I hope so. I think you should head to the racetrack and drive around there yourself and put a Bluetooth in, and we'll just do this interview as you keep making left turns. I've gone up for the races. Like um, I haven't been to the race, but I've walked it because I want to see the people. And it's fascinating. I like people, and I like a variety of people. So there's part of me which would like would almost like to do like a, a like a live on the spot reporting job there, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think tonight, but I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Okay. Next time. We'll see what we can do. I'll Next make some time. phone calls for you. Yes. So Michael, you, you run uh, Susquehanna Alchemy. This is a, a business that you run, correct? I mean, run and business are probably not exactly the words I would use, but I would say it's definitely a moniker or a brand which I have used as like as an umbrella term for a lot of research and a lot of presentations, which I have put out over the last five or six years. Okay, wonderful. What is it that interests you about alchemy? Well, besides everything that's interesting about it, what is it that well, is interesting to you? So I use the word, I, I coined that phrase Susquehanna alchemy probably around 2015 maybe. And I used it in a very general term. Like I'm, I'm familiar conceptually with with alchemy as the practice, with alchemy as magic, and I find that interesting. I've definitely dabbled and experimented within a lot of magical realms, particularly when I was younger. Just because I'm an explorer, I want to go and try and, and explore everything. But at the idea of being a a practicing alchemist and or ceremonial magician, like that's not me, but I, without a doubt, have a 100% magical worldview. You know, I just don't have that form. When I use the term alchemy, I use it in a very general concept in, in Susquehanna alchemy. And, what, and it's actually, it's a, double, it's, it's a triple entendre. So the first thing is uh, I use the, the phrase, the term alchemy, as a general word describing the mysterious process of how something of lesser value turns into something of greater value, how something goes from lead to gold. And I use that specifically in terms of understanding the, the human relationship to the natural world and specifically within what we would call a river. It is my opinion that there's a whole lot more going on between our relationship, ours being human beings, our relationship with the natural world than what the environmentalists or the earth scientists or like, you know, that, that materialistic perspective would, would have to take. So 
alchemy means that. And then I also am being a little bit tongue in cheek in the fact that a lot of Susquehanna alchemy began with me revealing this, what I call the Susquehanna mystery, this phenomenal and fascinating history, which was just a couple scratches beneath the surface. It's not hard. It wasn't hard to put it all together, but it's all of these, you know, quote unquote, alchemists who were tied to the Susquehanna River. So that's one of the reasons why I call it Susquehanna alchemy. And then just generally like alchemy referring to, in a general sense, magic, my experience on the river itself and where it has taken me, this has been nothing short of magical. So when I call it Susquehanna alchemy, that's that's kind of how I use, I, or that's my the, the context of that term. And it has, it certainly got me on a lot of shows where people thought like I was a practicing alchemist. So they wanted to talk like real, real practice of, of, of sulfur. And, and, and I, I can't remember all the different things that make up the alchemy practice. So that is not necessarily how I use the term, but it has using the word alchemy in my title has opened up a lot of doors for me for interesting conversation. So all the broken pencils for my children that are filled with lead that I brought for the show for you to turn to gold has just been a waste of my collection? Uh, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Let's not write it off yet. There's still plenty of time to, to switch this around. There's still plenty of time. So you mentioned, I believe you said in childhood, you dabbled in magic. You were interested in magic? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, in uh, so, all right. So I'm 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 a I'm a Generation X child, right? So I was born in the early seventies. What, what what year were you born? Eighty one. Okay, so I got about ten years on you. So for my generation, I, I do a lot of social and generational analysis of of how culture how culture develops different generations in certain ways, and so the Generation X was raised in a way to really embrace the occult. And so why I say that is you look at the popular culture, which was hitting at key developmental times. So, I mean, the very beginning, like coming out of the 60s, the 60s was really when some, like when, when, when quote unquote magic began to become popular, you know, when the Beatles began playing with a little bit more Eastern philosophy and so forth. And then, you know, you got like Scooby-Doo, and shows like that, the Hanna-Barbera cartoons in the early 70s, mid-70s, you have the introduction of Star Wars and the Star Wars concepts like in the late in the in the mid-70s, and then in the 80s, when like really all of the, the 1970s born children were probably early to mid-teenage years, Time Life puts out what was the name of the 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 book series? I think I think it was called Unexplained Mysteries. But they would be on commercial all the time, like really, really focused in like after school programming and so forth. And so when you take when you when you have a generation and in search of that was another show, which was really big in the 70s and fantastic shows. But what it does is it it plants in the background. Like, I mean, our consciousness is so malleable and particularly in our developmental years, we become we become what we're around. And so what is being floated out by popular culture at particular age groups, they plant seeds. And so when I said I was like into magic, like I wasn't necessarily saying like there was anything 
perhaps special about me other than the fact that like I went along with the programming which I was born into. And so, yes, I was definitely interested in all things mysterious and all things unexplainable. And so in my teenage years and, and really early 20s, like I was, I was fascinated with all things with psychology, all things with, with magic, magic history, stage magic, uh, magic organizations, all the different things. And, and I would, you know, not just, uh, not just leave it on a book form, but I've, I've always been gonzo, you know, it's, it's like my research, I'm involved with it. So, so yeah, so I play around now. I mean, now it's just my, my attitude or the way I understand reality is like the very fact that we have the word magic. I mean, so much of understanding, I mean, I'm going to speak best about Western culture and primarily United States, Western culture, but so much of understanding what we are experiencing and how we are the way we are is understanding the English language and, you know, I mean, just what, what language does to the way people think and program and so forth, or, or, or you know, their programs. That's why their language is a programming of consciousness in the mind and so forth. So, and, that, and that's kind of like, it's there, it goes both ways. Like our language is a, it's called a poetic language because so much of English is based upon double entendre, which means that words can have multiple meanings. And so you can say one thing and you can mean multiple things when you say that. Like that's That was built into the English language. It was done that way on purpose. But that's magical as fuck because yes, you've got like the part of your mind, which I'm, I'm, being, I'm being very like aware and focused to what I'm saying. And the listener you're trying to communicate with may hear or understand from one perspective. But every different iteration or, or context a word can have goes into a person's like deeper, um, their, their unconscious or their subconscious. So it has impact. So there's all of that like is part of like the magical aspects of language. But, but what I think is most interesting and where I'm going to go with or where I'm going to right now as it relates to magic and my personal viewpoint of it and, and the way our, our, our language or our culture is kind of like it's, 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 it's a little bit gaslighting with, with the concept of magic is because the very fact that we have a word magic and we say like, oh, this is magic, there is an implication that there's something that's not magic. Like, oh, this is the magic time. And then all the other times it's like unmagic time or it's mundane. And it's my opinion. It's my conclusion based upon, you know, just being observant and, 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 and paying attention to life is that like this, this whole thing is a mystery and this whole realm is based upon what you would call magic. And the way things happen are way, way, way stranger than, than what at least the the mainstream thought would would have people believe. So, like, I guess I'm always magic. Or I'm always at least uh, holding a magical perspective. It's really interesting what you said about the word magic. That you know, as you were talking, it kind of just occurred to me just to have that word magic. Like right now, if you if you know, we were talking at a normal level about magic, like the idea of pulling scars out of your sleeve or card tricks would be what some people would associate magic with. But this word has been around for so long. So there is magic and there are magical things happening. And there's also non-magic. So that, you know, that's just kind of fascinating that, that for bringing that up 
that we're, we're almost led down a road to see it as a as a joke or as an entertainment and then not and to take that- it seriously. But that word has been around for so long that it was meant in a serious manner when it was being discussed. You are, you're, you're bringing up one of my favorite topics, this idea of stage magicians. And I have a good friend who's a professional stage magician, and, and we talk magic all the time. And he's probably the most like serious, like, like magic, magic practitioners that I know. But he's also like a stage magician, which is all about sleight of hand and trickery. And and there is a definite like overlap between the two. And there is, at least from the stories that I get from my friend Jesse, is like uh, the magicians, particularly the professional serious magicians, they, you know, they're all really into the occult. They're very much into, into like exploring the hidden realms. And then they also do like, like what what I've noticed this is my conclusion, not being a professional stage magician, but there is there's like a a play like they they like it to be known that this is just like trickery. But then there's certain things where where you're not to know where whether or not someone is doing something truly supernatural. There was a series of YouTube videos maybe about four or five years ago about demon magicians suggesting that a lot of these street magicians, whereas like David Blaine being the best known, have actually signed uh, some sort of like deal with the devil. And that's why they're able to do these amazing magic tricks. And I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't have a conclusion on like whether or not like I'm not saying like, no, this guy, it, it came from a very, very fundamental Christian perspective. That was the guy who was making the videos. But I was hooked. I watched them all. I like, you know, I don't have yeah, I don't have a religious opinion on it. I didn't I'm not saying like this guy could have been totally right or totally wrong. But I just thought the whole idea the the this the looking at his analysis about how he came to the conclusion that these street magicians, these famous street magicians actually have like uh relationships with with the devils or demons like that at least got me curious you know that's deep within our popular culture of performers having some sort of relationship with you know uh thinking of robert johnson going down the crossroads and making a deal with the devil to become the world's greatest guitar player it's like you know it, like i don't know what like how true that goes but but i think it's I, I do find all of that at least a, a fascinating mental pursuit just to think about, but but I don't put that much energy into. I, I personally wouldn't do anything like that. That's not appealing to me. But I don't know. I don't know how real it gets, or how, or just how ridiculously foolish those stories are. I don't. I'm not certain. That's the one problem with even documentaries or YouTube videos is after I get done watching anything, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of whatever I just saw. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Like we should never eat meat. And you know, factory farming is terrible, but you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be vegan. And then you watch in one and explores the other side. You're like, well, actually it's, a, it is okay to eat meat. And it it's just how they frame it and whatever you see. But what you're saying with magic, I can believe the possibility that somebody can pick the card that I saw. I can you know, they can make a quarter to disappear, whatever it might be. But David Blaine, and then even on a stage of uh, Copperfield, I think made the Statue of Liberty disappear. But that was for the people in the audience. There's smoke, there's mirrors, there's all these things that I'm not privy to. But David Blaine, his first special, I think he was part of a, was on the Atlantic City Boardwalk. 
and he was floating. He was floating off the ground and people were looking at that. And it's not stagehands there doing that. He's walking up to people. That's the point of street magic. And then just to do his amazing trick and to float off the ground. I mean, that just seems kind of crazy. I was I did I, I would highly recommend. I bet you I bet you those that video series are the, are, are still available. The the demon magicians. I mean, it's 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 thought provoking at the very least. And and I want to go back to what you said even before that about the recognizing the being honest with oneself and recognize how powerful story can be and how powerful like tools like YouTube or anyone who's creating who's creating like any sort of content on on any of the platforms which are so readily available. Like I mean these platforms were not readily available 20 years ago. Like this is a very special time or, or it's or it's different than what it has been. So I, I think that, that that goes into you were talking about the great age that we're in of YouTube and people making content. And if you're still well, in that thread, that, please go on. So well, th- this goes in, into like what, what I think is so important when I was talking about magic in a, in a general sense. So I said like it's much more magical world than what we think it is. And so I didn't I didn't define I didn't go into to detail what I meant by that. And what I meant by that, the role which consciousness your consciousness, my consciousness, all of our consciousness goes into play what our actual experiential reality is. Like, that's friggin' magic. But we don't realize how magical it is. It's like consciousness is, is much more complex. I want this to happen, so therefore it's going to happen. <clears throat> it has, it, it's, it's deeper than all right, Michael, you were discussing consciousness and how magical that is. If you were still on that topic, I'd love to hear more. All right. Well, then uh, we're, we're back here. So I don't know what to say. That's four times in a row now. Like, going fine. And then as soon as I start talking about magic and consciousness, something didn't like it. <laughs> the ether is it's listening and it's controlling. Well, it always is. I mean, whether you want to call that AI or you want to call that like government conspiracy, you want to call that like it truly is. There's something in the there's like I've I've seen that happen too many times to think that it's it's just purely coincidence. But anyway, so we we seem to be back right now. Um, uh, I want to see if I could pick up on that on that that train of thought I was on. Oh, it was about. It was understanding the power of the the relationship between our inner world, our consciousness, which ultimately is found, and our beliefs are usually invisible. Otherwise, when we truly believe something, we don't even think about it. We just assume it's true. You don't believe in gravity, even though gravity's never been proven. It's like something that's just assumed. Most of our beliefs are hidden like that. So why I'm bringing this up is... You brought up the idea of I watched this video and and they just whether it was like on veganism or or on the carnivore diet or whatever it is, but when something when someone can tell a story in such a way which is so compelling and position it in such a way, it's it's very very easy to shape one's mind. And you are one of the few people that I would say has the honesty to admit to themselves like holy shit, I can be influenced really, really easily. Same is true for me. I think the same is true for most people uh, until they start like becoming aware of how their mind works. 
But it is from that truth that we can begin to recognize how much of all of our consciousness has been influenced, has been, has been shaped to, from the earliest stages of, of our lives to be able to hold an agreed, uniformed viewpoint of how reality is. And if reality is this, one, it is consciousness-driven, and then two, it has a consensus, a consensus element to it, you can begin to see how this reality which we are experiencing is being held together by all of us in a way that we don't even realize that we're holding it together because we don't even think it's a thing. I love consensus reality and also the, our perceptions filtering things out. Like that we truly don't even know what's happening right in front of us because our eyes can't see all the entire light spectrum. Our ears can't hear all the different variations of noises. And we all just agree upon, you know, for the most part, you know, in which way this boat is rowing and, you know, which part of that is influenced from outside forces, forces in control, or is this all just, we happen to be on the, the Willy Wonka boat and he's just in charge and we're all freaking out as the lights are changing and, and he's singing a song. I mean, if yes, if you're being honest, we don't, this is all a mystery. You don't know where you are. I don't know where I am. I don't know how we got here. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I know there's a thousand answers. I know there's a thousand people who want to tell me the answers. But if I'm going to actually go and ask some like serious questions, like we don't know. I don't care how confident someone is. It's like, that's, that's the truth. But then that also opens up the the potentiality of like, you know, what, what could this be? You know, what is this? Is this a, is this truly a simulation? Are we cells in God's body? Is this, you know, the dream of some monk from some other, some other realm? Who knows? Like, but we're here. That's the one thing we do know. And I think that is a starting point. It then opens up a lot of, of flexibility at the very least to see like this, the collective experience that we're sharing, like it's, it's really not beneficial to most of us. It really is very anti-human, to be quite honest. And we're the ones that hold it together. And when we begin to understand the nature of the realm, meaning how this realm works, we can begin to at least loosen some of the ties that hold this whole thing together. And if you ask me, where that begins is our universal or our, our universal agreed upon concept of time. You want to elaborate on that a little more? Of course I do. But I just want to give you an opportunity to, to like let that sink in. So, I mean, this, this isn't Mike speaking right now. This is just like, you know, a, a, a commonly held concept of the one of the foundational things of any community of foundational agreements of any community is the perception and definition of time so like any groups of people any culture like in order to like live and work together like the one of the very first things is how time is defined and how time is experienced all right and we can go and look at our modern world and we can go and see like how important time is like you know we've got all of these different cultures and languages across earth right now 
And a lot of them may not be in any sort of agreement over like whether that would be like religious or a cultural or, or legal issues. But every single freaking country is in agreement. What day is Monday? Right. That's true. Yeah, no, that's true. Right. Like that's the that's a foundational agreement. That agreement comes before all of the disagreements. So that's what I mean. Like literally, like like it is so unsexy to talk about time. People want to talk about time travel. They want to talk about all this sort of like really fun, crazy shit. And I got that. But you don't realize like what holds this whole thing together begins with time. Like, and if you actually go and you think about like, like what are the first things in the indoctrination centers, right? The, the, the nursery schools, the preschools that they teach the children. It's like, you got to know what day is Monday, what day is Tuesday, what day is Wednesday, you know? There's no such thing as these days. Like, they don't exist. Like, literally. What's the definition of Monday? And I'm going to go somewhere with all this, but we got to build up to it. So what's the definition of Monday? Do you, how would you define that? I would define it as the, you know, it's the commonly the first day of the work week. It's the first day of the school week. That would be like, if you were looking at a Webster's dictionary, that would probably be definition two or three, you know, they'll have like five or six definitions for a word. Right. So the first definition, this is what Monday is. This is like family Monday feud. I, I need, I need a board up here and dinging and I would have had two and three come up. <laughs> Monday is the day after Sunday. And it's the day before Tuesday. I should have had that. That's what Monday easy. is. Yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. So why does that matter? That matters because it's the days of the week are self-defined. They don't fucking exist. Without each other, they don't exist. It's and like so you like can't use like, the definition okay. of a word when you're defining a word, and all you're doing Bingo. is taking Bingo. another made-up word. So, so when you are in a realm, when you are in a realm where like – where the basis of our understanding of time and space is this self-defining sort of circle, and everyone's agreeing upon it. Everyone's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's no mistake. Like no one, like we all know, like you know what day is Monday, and and one of the reasons why 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 the days of the week are so important nowadays, it has to do with like the importance of money and and how money control is also an important part of the system. But that's a little bit higher up on the stat. We're going to still work with this. So. We've got this idea of Monday and we're like, okay, Monday, I, I see what you're saying, Mike, like con conceptually, it's not real, but you know, how does that matter? What, do, what does that have to do with my actual reality? Like, okay, well, let's, let's play around with that for a little bit. So there's a thing which is known as the law of big numbers. And that basically means like when you get enough big number, like enough data, like things tend to like average out, like have an equal distribution if all things being equal. And if they don't have an equal distribution, it's because there's another variable in play, all right? If you were to go and look at all of the data for of, of deaths, we're going to use the, the data which, which is most readily available that I know of is, is for the United States. But if you're like, okay, how many, let, let's see the distribution of deaths, of all of the death data which we have on the days of the week. So... In theory, at least, in theory, it should be evenly distributed, where it should be like one-seventh of the deaths would happen on every day of the week. But it doesn't exactly work that way. So the, fir the first two days, like, it makes sense. More people die on Friday and Saturday than any other days of the week. And that's because they have this thing called the weekend. The weekend's just a whole totally made-up thing. 
right? Like, like the whole idea that you got to go and have a five day week where you got to go to work for five days for five days a week and then you get two days off or you go to school for five days a week. Like this is, this is, you know, it's a, it's a construct which was created by, by uh, an industrialized, actually it was pre-industrialized that they started doing that. But anyway, so that's an idea. And because of that, like people tend to go out and get drunk on Friday and Saturday. And when they get drunk because they're like trying to like burn off steam from having to work all week, um, they often make poor decisions. And because of that, we've got a spike in deaths, whether that's like from like accidents or like murders or what have you. So you got Friday and Saturday. So the other five days, though, they should be evenly distributed, but they're not because Monday's got a big spike. It's not quite as big as enough of a spike as Friday and Saturday, but Monday is a day where more people die than the other five days of the week. And why is that? Now we could all we could probably make some 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 assumptions, or because I don't think we can know for certain, but to me, what seems to make sense, because the majority of deaths are of natural cause, it's like when someone lets go, when someone's like, you know, whatever it is that says like, okay, I'm ready to go and, and transition to wherever it is that we transition, if we transition to places, once we're no longer alive, like, you know what, if there's a day I'm going to let go, it's going to be friggin' Monday. Because I've just had an entire lifetime of dread associated with this day of the week. The point I'm trying to make here is if Monday is not a real thing, how come, why does it have real world consequences? So, so that's like the beginning of this idea of, of like time not being real. And then also like how we are culturally, how we're culturally like holding on to these, these concepts and we agree upon them. We don't even think about them. This is what I meant by like our beliefs are invisible. Like no one would even think to even ask a question, is Monday real? Or when I say no one, like the average person would never even think that's a question. They wouldn't even understand the nature of the question. Like why, like, why are you even asking a question? Is Monday real? Like, of course it's real or it's a meaningless question. So this is how like ideas or beliefs can remain invisible within someone's mind. So th- I'm, I'm going to be building, uh, I'm going to be building like kind of a, a case for you about like time and how it's false and then what it means to be able to like specifically move out of false time. But before I go into my next stage, I want to give you an opportunity to comment, ask questions or anything about like Monday and days of the week. I like it. So Monday is just a natural causes. And I was thinking, I always joke like when I'm at my regular nine to five and I'm like, wow, you know. If I almost got hit by a car and we cross on the street, like a car like gets near me, I'm like, well, it has to hit me on a Monday. I don't want to, I just survived the whole work week. I need to, to make sure I get to the weekend. So Monday's not real. The time's not real. But None uh, of the days of the week are real. It's a concept. It's an right. idea. But isn't it also now kind of that we've created Monday and now it is real? Well, yes. Yes. Because that is the nature of our reality. Our reality is a self-fulfilling prophecy reality. It is a placebo reality. It is an egregore reality. These things that we hold to be true, it has nothing to do with whether they are true or factual. It has to do with what we, what we naturally feel and believe. Something mysteriously happens. We're like, guess what? Now it's seemingly alive just from us saying it and believing it to be alive. 
it's not quite as easy as saying like, okay, I'm going to go and make a new day of the week. But then how does this happen? It happens from the power of consciousness and belief. This right. is not what schools teach you. Schools teach you how to work in culture. They don't teach you how the realm works. That's for you to figure out on your own. And that's for you to so, okay, break I'm outside gonna... of the, the box that they put you in to not even think outside of your own and then to be creative enough Bingo. to realize. A absolutely. Let me ask you, can you hear the auto race? I can hear a little bit in the background, but nothing too loud. So, all right. So now we're starting to think about time. We're starting to think about, we, we've got, there's no such thing as Monday. So now we're going to go and look at, we're going to look at our calendar system. And there is a natural time. Like, you know, this is all a mystery that we're experiencing. But that being said, we do have like a, what I would call a baseline reality, a part of reality where there's no interpretation. There's no subjective saying this means this and that means that. There's certain things that are seemingly objectively true. And I'll caveat and I'll say like, I don't know why, where baseline reality is. I'm saying there's a mystery beyond the baseline reality. But that being said, the baseline reality is the best place for us to begin. So we can go and look at like there's natural time markers. And I'm going to define time this way. I think it's important that we define things. I'm defining time as the lag between events. I mean, there's a truth by saying like there's really no such thing as time. There's only the, the, the moment of now. That is absolutely correct in terms of our experience. But there are lags. And we can at least remember time and think about time in a linear fashion. And this is like, you know, like I did this earlier today and I did this yesterday and I can think linearly. And we have markers in time and these markers in time are in our, our baseline reality. So like the most obvious one is going to be sunrise. Like there's no misinterpreting sunrise. Like we might call that glowing circle in the sky different things. Like, you know, we might call it a sun and like it's a star, which is like some sort of nuclear reaction is happening and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is. You're still there. You just faded out for a second. I don't know why it keeps kicking me in and out, but yeah, I'm back. Where did I okay. get dis disconnected? Uh, unsure of what the sun is. They say it's a nuclear reactor. We can't prove right, any so of that. Yep. So, but we, but well, we can see the sun. We can agree about the sun. We know that there's sunrise. We know there's sunset. We even know that there's high noon. Like if you were to if you're to follow the you were to go and follow the the shadows, you can see when the sun is at the highest point in the sky. That's a real thing. Lunar cycles are real, like full moon. You can identify when there's a new moon, when there's no moon, the quarter moons, that's identifiable. So what isn't identifiable, what isn't real is midnight. Midnight's not real. Midnight only exists in a clock, right? There's no spot every night where the moon is at its highest every single night well, at the, midnight. The, the moon is sometimes not visible at night. Sometimes the moon is only visible during the day. Like there, there are times when there's no moon, like the, the moon, the moon's a mysterious function. There's no such thing as midnight. There's no marker. It's only done by a clock. Midnight matters for two reasons. Midnight is when the next day begins. So all of a sudden we just like, we just saw two things. Two, one is like, we know that like the naming the days of the week and the seven day cycle, even though these seven days are linked in concept to heavenly bodies. Mon Monday is moon day and Sunday is Sunday and sub Saturday is Saturn day and you know, all that sort of stuff. But 
that's just a naming device. There's no like seven day cycle other than the fact that at the very least it begins with the Bible. You know, that's where it comes from. So we know that, that, that like the, there's no such thing as Monday. We know there's no such thing as Tuesday. And now we know that, that the changing of the day at this concept of midnight, that's not real. There's no such thing as a midnight. Midnight only exists in this timekeeping mechanism. And midnight is important because that's when the next day starts. Midnight's important because that's when, if they're bank clearing houses, when they're going to go and, and mark when deposits settle and so forth, like midnight tends to be an important time for accounting and all this other sort of stuff. It is immensely important to the system, but it has no basis in reality. If you are interested in experiencing life out, are we back? Uh, you're back. If you're if you're interested in experiencing yeah. life, if you're interested in experiencing life outside of the system, because the entire process has been to form your consciousness to fit into the system, to be a human resource to feed a system which is unnatural. It is out of harmony with the actual baseline reality. We're defining our time. We're defining our days. We're marking our days with something that has nothing to do with the actual place where you're having your life experience. If you don't have any awareness of this, and if you're living in the system on system values, there's no need to have awareness of it. Like, you know, like what's the point of having this type of thought? You spend your entire life in their magic. The reason why this is so important is because you, our reality is a consciousness-driven reality. And what you hold as a belief is what is going to unfold or at least create part of the unfolding of your experiential reality. When you begin to see the whole thing as a house of cards built upon fallacy, well, then you can begin to have the space to begin to free your consciousness, to begin to ask the questions like, like what you said earlier, Brian, when you said, when you're like, hold on, I realize that when I see a really good documentary, I'm like, yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go with that. We're that malleable. And we have been mal we have been formed and shaped from our earliest times as human beings, as children to be able to see the world in a certain way, to be able to support a system, which is based upon magic, which is based upon your consciousness to feed into their system. So I'm going to go one step even further. So our entire calendar system is based upon months. They say it's a solar system. It's really solar lunar, but it's primarily lunar. And it's based upon months or 12 months. So a month, it's called that because it's it's a play on the word moon, moon and month. And there is an actual lunar cycle. It varies just like the months do, like usually between 29 and 30 days between new moon to new moon, or when there is no moon in the, in the sky to no moon in the sky. That's what the new moon is, is when you don't see the moon. And we know that's the new moon because in our realm, all new growth begins invisible. A new child begins invisible within the mother's stomach. 
a new plant begins invisible as a seed under the ground. So when you have a new, uh, when you have a month, the first day of the month, when that does not line up with a new moon in the sky, you are following a system of time that is disconnected with the place you're having your experiential reality. We're talking about the, uh, so if so, if the first day of the month is not lining up with the new moon, then you are not living in the true reality. Well, you're you're living in an artificial one. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Of course it works. We see that that's our entire experience has shown that it works. It only works within the system. You said this. You're like when you were talking about the Willy Wonka and the lights, and like that's all it is. As human beings who are living in this mysterious world and our reality, our realm is more magical and magical meaning it is created through consciousness. And then we realize our consciousness is totally hooked into the way we define life and reality is hooked into a bunch of fucking bullshit. And we spend our entire lives chasing these things that aren't real. You know, every like that, someone spends just a moment thinking about money, you know, money's not real. The whole thing is based upon manipulation of consciousness. So in order to begin to have a, a life experience outside of that system, you can be out like the whole the whole phrase of I am in the world, but not of it is one of the interpretations of that is being able to see what the realm is, how it works, how it's manipulating, and then not being manipulated by it, but still being able to participate within it. Like to me, that's a little bit more interesting, um, at least for now. But when we begin to to see, when we're able to see the weaknesses, if you will, in the system. And allow them to collapse, be able to see like this is what you just assume to be real. I assume Monday to be real. I assume June to be a real thing. I've never even questioned it. When you begin to see that it's just a manipulated mind magic to hold up a house, the same when you when you're able to see the the fallacy as it is, something happens in consciousness, the same thing that happens when a subliminal when you see, when a subliminal advertisement is revealed to you, when you see like a, a hidden image in an advertisement, it no longer holds the same influence upon the individual because it's collapsed. When we begin to become aware of false time for what it is, and then begin to recognize the difference between that and other types of time, we are able to have different types of experiences, both in and out of the realm which we are sharing. So I like that you said, if you don't even realize, and it's funny because I was going to use a matrix analogy. If you don't realize the matrix that you're stuck in, you know, Morpheus says the Neo in the movie, he's like, you know, there's always been this gnawing in the back of your head that like, this isn't right. So, but if you don't recognize that it's not right, you just go through the construct that they've created and, and keep going. Another quick thing. So you the, brought the up construct. real quick. So you brought up, you know, uh, that we're a human resource and I was thinking about jobs and they have human resources. We're talking about magic words that are used on people and subliminal messages. What a strange title 
for human resources at a job that you go and you get your help. Is there a non-human that that needs resources? Right? For them to put that, but you're the resource that keeps the machine going and all the businesses you work for the are the greater cogs. Busyness. Yeah. Exactly. You are the resource for the busyness. That's business. It's busyness. It's all in the language. The language tells you all you need to know. And and it's it's I mean it just the they're telling you, there's a couple of reasons probably why they're telling you. One of it is if you want to think about it as like this is being done to you, there is an avoidance of karma when you are telling someone what you're doing. When you're saying, like, hey, I told you you're a human resource. You know, you should have, I can't help it if you didn't take me literally. But right. And that's it's, part of it's exactly every day. There's a different definition that they're changing or saying that that's not what it means. Or, you know, there's a whole broad thing we've had for the last four or five years where. What was commonly agreed upon as a definition for a word is completely changed, and you can't even figure out which way you're going anymore. You, you're absolutely right. So what happens when you when someone is totally lost, when someone is totally lost and not grounded in reality, they are easily led. In fact, they're asking to be led. This is like the reason why what this is the fundamental to a reason why time, our time system is not based upon reality. Because on the deepest level, a human being who follows an artificial time system, they are not grounded in actual reality. And there will always be part of them, as you said with the, the matrix analogy, which is like saying like something's not exactly right. I'm not grounded. I brought this up a little bit earlier in the show as well, as I talked about I like to do generational analysis. And one of the best ways which you can go and see how generational manipulation occurs is by changing of definition of words and by changing like, like words which were once socially acceptable to say for one generation becomes offensive to the next generation. And all of these things are, are to create discontinuity between human beings from generation. And by, you know, you don't get each other. You don't get your grandmother. You don't get the older generation. The boomers are the enemy. You know, all that sort of bullshit. They do that because what once was done was there was a continuity of, of a human family and lineage. And when I say family, I mean it in the grandest scheme. It's like that's been sliced up. Again, furthering the, the ease to go and lead and manipulate individuals. Like that's uh, that's very much going on in our time right now. Like that as a, a, a technique which is being applied to change the way human beings experience their daily lives and move them into a, you know, the, the technocratic world which is the unfolding before us right now. Like that, that's literally happening. And this is how it and this is how it's done. Right. There used to be a time where elders were respected, looked to for their life experience and their knowledge. And now the younger generation is like, look how stupid you are that you got old. I'm like, okay, buddy, yeah. you're gonna get old too. Like, but you know, I I've done all the mistakes that you've done and I can help you avoid them and to level up your life and get to the next, you know, spot that you need to instead of being stuck in the mud for years. But you know, this disconnect well, of words. That's definitely this, true. Right, the broken families, gangster rap coming out, glorifying just crimes nonstop, and then impressionable kids, stupid adults listening, thinking I have to spend my very last dollar 
on you know jewelry or buying drugs to sell drugs or shooting somebody and that was you know that's i feel like the music maybe has calmed down a little bit but from 1988 through the mid 2000s you know uh, uh, 2010s it was hardcore rap influencing generations over and over and now you're seeing no respect for anybody as that part of it yeah i'll get off my i'll get off my chipper gore soapbox well i mean there's a truth to that so and and there's something really true about the fact that you you mentioned tipper gore for anyone who recalls who tipper gore was i mean the very same machine that puts that puts that divisiveness out there is the same machine that calls it out and that's part of the gaslighting element so the question is like well why is this happening and what's happening like this isn't just about like social critique what we're doing is we're recognizing what's happening all around us. Like there is, I mean, over a course of probably a hundred years, I, I talk about this in terms of the hundred year timeline, but we are definitely going through a major speed up right now. The way life lived in the realm is changing immensely. And so the question is, how does life change in the realm immensely? Like how do you get people to go and adopt new ways of lifestyles? And so what you're describing is how you do it. You disconnect them from family. You disconnect them from from tradition. You disconnect them from all sorts of stuff. You use all of the tools of culture, popular music, popular whatever. And that's like what, what moves what moves culture along. So So that is happening. But then as this is happening, it is also very, very evident that it's happening. And it's very, very evident how they're ha- how it's happening like it becomes much more obvious if anyone stops to pay attention so like when things happen more slowly or they're not moving quite as fast there's not as much manipulation it's easier not to pay attention but when so much is happening and there's you know both the internet is it has the capability of at least for a short period of time of exposing a lot of information or sharing a lot of information as it's also simultaneously imprisoning minds. Like we've got like this window. That's what I'm seeing right now. That's where I see the role of generation X in particular is like as a generation is as the ability to see this. And then, you know, in my, in my lingo, I, I call post COVID is like the sign of the post conspiracy theory era. Like there's no sort of question anymore. And now it's like uh, we've we've more or less, at least individually, have chosen where we're going to go, what we're willing to commit to, and the type of life which we're going to live. This ties in in my this ties in directly to everything which I was just talking about with consciousness, is because in order for there to be a major a major paradigm shift in terms of how life is lived on earth, like not the type of paradigm shift they're doing right now, which is to move towards a technocratic experience, but something which is almost, if it's a true meta paradigm shift, it will seem like a fantasy. In order for that to happen, we need to go and really, really re-question or rethink everything And the only time we're going to have the opportunity to rethink everything is when all shit hits the fan, which is what we're seeing right now. It's like, you know, quite literally the best of times and the worst of times. Right. So within that, probably going to be a small window of opportunity to shift. You see like the mafia families battle and then the one head of the family is taken out and there's always a power struggle. And then who's going to take the next one? 
you know, so we have to have all our ducks in a row if we want to see this paradigm shift. What do you, in a perfect world, what do you see that, not how do we get there? What do you see that looking like? What do you see that post-technocratic state that we're in? What do you see that shifting towards? So this goes back to some of the earlier stuff, which I was talking about, like the world is much stranger and more malleable than I think any of us truly give credit for. That's what I meant by like, what I really think is possible will seem like fantasy to a normal person. And so the reason why we are all so in agreement on what is possible, like comes down to like simple agreements, like there's such a thing as Monday, that 12 o'clock at midnight is when the next day of the week begins. It's like when we begin to realize that how reality works, when we begin to truly understand what it means by this is consciousness driven and it is driven by our beliefs and our beliefs are fucking hidden, which means you got to spend effort to realize what is it that I've been believing. And then once you can move out of that and learn about the skill set and learn about the skill set of what it means to be alive in this realm, to be a human being. Like I see it as, I won't even limit it because I think that, that what it could possibly be is so different than what we can imagine that it doesn't make sense to even try to imagine it. I'll give an example. I've asked some people this question all the time. I'm like, like, can you imagine what life would be like without money? And usually, or very often, I get like an answer like, no, if it wasn't for money, like, you know, that's the, that's the lube that like has everything going. Like, that's the only reason like everything works. Like why people go and do their jobs and do their power plant jobs and the necessary jobs and this, and people need it for meta, for, for motivation or whatever reason they'll say like, why I need money. I'm like, you can't even imagine you are so, your imagination is so formed by the system you're in, which is a money system that you can't even imagine like what it would be like without it. Like you might not be able to get an answer, like a truthful answer would be like, no, I can't imagine. But to at least have the courage and the honesty to say like, but I bet you there's going to, there would be another way that we would live and probably a very satisfying and very like enriching way that we can't even imagine outside of it, outside of a system with money. I think that the, like, as you said, the perfect world, it's like, it has to go, it ha we have to take steps back to realize like what we are and what this realm is, is drastically different than what we have been conditioned our entire lives to believe it is. That's the way, that's where I put my energy and where I put my focus, thinking and experiencing life from that, from that perspective. And I think you're going to get more out of life than the person who is just stuck in the rat race and just going around that hamster wheel of feeding the machine. So there are. Well, I hope it's. I hope it's a whole lot more. I hope it's a whole lot more than just getting more out of life. It's like, 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 literally, like, like that's the the breaking out of false time. Like this course which I created. It's like this is a consensus thing. Like you know, when when people begin to see like 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 the 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 prisons like it's just like the the matrix movie is a fair analogy it's like the prison is not what you think it is like what you think is like the prison that's not it it's like much more subtle than you could ever imagine but so much more engrossing like to really begin to like think about all of 
of the mechanisms which we measure what life is. You said this earlier, like in the beginning, you talked about like the carnivore, carnivore diet versus vegan. You didn't use those words. So I know that, that that's something I'm pretty familiar with. I know a lot of people who are vegans. I know a lot of people who follow carnivore diets. And without getting into like what I my personal opinion is, what I do know is that if you go and you talk to experts in either field, they'll go and give you like a long list as why their perspective is the, the healthy way for being human, the most healthy way for living in a body. And they'll give you all these like scientific and tangible reasons. My personal opinion is like, if it is so unclear why what human beings should be eating, it's probably because we aren't meant to be eating. I think that the human experience on this planet could be so amazingly different, like on the level like that 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 it is paradigm shift different than how the 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 modern common person has been conditioned to experience their life so can i ask you a question why is it then when we find Please. on the occasion we'll find that lost amazon tribe that has never had contacts contact with humans or, you know, Pacific Island, never World War II, you know, I think they, they built a, a little stick figures out of, of airplanes that flew over. They never saw an airplane. They thought it was a, a God coming to them. They're not stuck in the time construct. They don't have a Monday. They don't have, you know, there might be a tribal leader. They don't have a boss. They don't have a 401k. They don't have a grocery store to go to. They're they're working on their harmony within their tribe. They're working on farming, hunting, fishing. Wouldn't they be our control group for us to see what our possibilities could be? Maybe. Who knows? I mean, and, and I think that's a really, really fair question. I think that's a really fair question. I'll give you a couple like responses. One, the majority of the stuff what you see on on the internet and on the computer and on TV. It's fucking made up. <laughs> like that's well, that's, that's true. a really <laughs> hard thing for people to realize. That's the so, best answer so, right there. And I'm not saying that. that I, so I'm not. Saying I told you that, I read in the history book, and I know the history books saying, are bullshit. And here I am telling you, like, hey, let me tell you, what I read in a history book. So I'm sorry for that. Right. It's so. It's yeah. so. That's what I mean by like the gaslighting of this whole thing. It's like you know, like we know that a lot. It's all bullshit, but we don't have anything else to go by, so we got to use the bullshit. So like, and I'm being kind of funny when I say that. Like maybe it's true, maybe it's not. So there's that. You're, you're, so there's the possibility that that's just part of the story. So one of the biggest, one of the biggest myths which is being propagated is you got a choice. You either go to this, this techno future, which is either like a dystopian techno Blade Runner future and or, or a utopian techno amazing future. Like they give you that option or you get to go back and you live like a Stone Age farmer. But there's nothing in between. Those are your only options. Like uh, that, that, that to me is ridiculous. But going Wait, for to them to question, keep you, so, so for them to keep you stuck in the Truman Show, that you're Truman and that, you know, you're trying to take, get the ferry to go across, but you're never allowed to leave your island. So of course they have to tell you that, hey, we yeah. found a dumb Amazon tribe and all they have is spears. And if you think that getting out of what we have here exactly. in the United States, like that's that's what you want to go to, like you're going to get rid of your Nikes and your your Ford truck to go stay in the Amazon with a loincloth on, like okay. And then people are like, no, 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 I, I want to keep, I'm going to clock into work you, tomorrow. And then they're going to make you feel guilty for then just burning the 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 Amazon forest for like, I mean, the whole thing. Like, I mean, maybe it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying that's a possibility. But let's go. This is what makes this is what makes sense to me. 
So, so much of our experience is the narratives that we choose to accept in our consciousness. And there's a whole, there's a whole school of thought, which is like, you know, you always want to hold the, like, I don't know, sort of like internal narrative. Like, and I guess that's, that's one way of doing it. This is what makes sense to me. Like everything that that we collectively have been experiencing with like technology and the internet and so forth, it's to bring us to a point. So it is my, the, the way how I understand, how I look at the common modern world is a perversion slash inversion of like baseline reality. And this means everything in our perversion, inversion world is based upon something which is true and accurate, but it's just no longer in harmony with, with the, with the uh, and I say environment, not like in the environmentalist speak, but environment meaning like where we're having our life experience. So that being said, like everything which we are doing with, with the internet, everything which we're doing with technology, which was not capable 50 years ago or so forth, like I think that all of that should be theoretically completely possible in ways that do not require mining of the earth for rare minerals and manufacturing plants where like you have to sign sign contracts that if you commit suicide, your family is going to go and pay. All right, I'm back. So I don't think Amazon liked that you were going that, down that the company. I don't think Amazon the company liked the route you were going down. Right. Oh, that's funny. I wasn't even mentioning the Amazon company. Like all of that, like everything which we're experiencing, it is to show us like a potentiality of what is possible, particularly as it relates to like accessing information, accessing communication, all sorts of stuff. Like that's what the internet ultimately is, is it is a tool of of storing and accessing information. And, you know, whether you want to go and get all like woo-woo and call that Akashic record or Akashic field, or whether you want to go and, and look at it from maybe a more quantum physics perspective, I don't know. But it is my opinion that what makes sense to me is that we are moving towards an experience where we know that that is the truth, but it's a truth where we do not need to have the manufacturing plants, mining rare earth materials, all of the bullshit that comes along with like slave labor or like, you know, all the all of the perverted, disharmonious aspects that we've come to experience is like regular reality. And this is moving us to a group understanding of what a, a collective consciousness could look like of sharing of information so that then we can move off of the technology. And so maybe what the, the primitive, a primitive group or, uh, is a representation of like where this whole experiment, this whole ex human experiment, whatever the heck it is, maybe it's just like a point of reference of where we came from. I don't know. But it does feel like we are moving in a direction where we can go and where it's not that it feels like, but this is the, the perspective that I'm going to, that I hold is that we're moving in a direction where what we have learned through the technology in the last hundred years can be applied in a way of higher consciousness and understanding, which does not necessarily come with all of the perversions of the modern world. So I'm trying to wrap my head around what you're saying. 
I think someone's going to take time to digest. But I do agree that I don't think the human experience was meant for the haves, the have-nots, and then the middle, and that it is being exploited by people who are more aware of the truth of reality, manipulating for the other people trying to get there. It seems like a shitty existence that people have to mine rare earth minerals or whatever it might be. You know, the, that I wasn't born into the Kennedy billions. Like, okay, like that sucks, but I'm still doing pretty good. I get a meal. I have a roof over my head. I'm not living in the middle of a, of a desert, digging up cobalt and getting my hand chopped off because I went too slow. Like that just seems really shitty for those people and not how a natural world should work. Now, if that's all too idealistic, you know, I get that too. Yes, but on the on an even bigger picture, like not saying like we're going to stop doing that, but then still look at the world the way we have that there's a Tuesday and that everyone should have a social security number and that you have to pay for your existence. Like all of that is ridiculous. Like if we, I don't want to go. I, I'm 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 pausing right now because I don't want to get too much on a on a soapbox. Like that's not that wasn't the purpose of our of our interview. But without a an idea, a story, a narrative in our mind, which which is which every, where it all makes sense, a holistic perspective, like literally like holism, where it's all part of one whole. Well, then I've, it's it's looking at it in the wrong way. And there has to be an experience capable where which lines up with that holistic perspective, because there is what, just one. There's no way that you can tell me that from a certain perspective, this is not all part of the same holistic experience, the same ball of wax. Right. And, you know, we talked about the paradigm shift. And I really think it's just going to take a, a major change. The things that we need our, our world, that we're told that we need our world to run on, to function on. Uh, if there was an easier, cleaner, cheaper way to do it, well, you know, everyone's all about, you know, let's go to electric vehicles. And the president pushes electric vehicles and you'll get a credit and all this stuff. Well, guess who's not pushing electric vehicles? The oil companies. Because once you do that, then even though, you know, you do need the oil companies to make, there's a lot behind that. Okay. But the point of it is, if everybody went to electric, it would really hurt ExxonMobil. Well, ExxonMobil is not ready to just give up billions of dollars. So, you know, it seems like this is just kind of created to cause a chaos or to, to again, keep us trapped within this thought process that you can't think of anything else because they're just telling you what to think. Exactly. The fact that you're thinking of electric vehicles, that's the stupidest fucking thing in my mind. I'm like, why am I thinking about electricity? Electricity is the problem. The fact that you think that power comes from electricity, like when I say you, I'm not talking about you, Brian. I mean, in general, like, oh, they, the, the corporations can't give up their money. Money doesn't exist. You're framing your argument upon something that doesn't exist. We can't do that because, because Monday is a, a bank holiday. As long as someone is framing up a problem in the definition of the problem, like it'll never shift. That's why I'm like, there's no such thing as Monday. Shift out of false time. When you begin to be able to step outside of the most foundational agreement, that's when the room begins. Is like, well, why, why are we even thinking in terms of like buying and selling cars that run on electricity? Like, like that seems so that's an antiquated model of fucking control. Like right. that's the type right. of paradigm shift that gets me excited. I agree. I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to pepper you with some questions, but I want to, if we can maybe circle on this, what are ways, what can we do? So tangible this, things that we can do. So this is all you can do. So realistically, 
Realistically, the only thing you can do is become aware of how it, like the outer world and consciousness. Yep, we're back. All right, what can we do? Okay, so, so what can we do? That is such a great question. So what we do, like the, all you can do is a, it's a consciousness. It's an inner thing. You need to be able to begin to see what things are. What are you feeding? Like when, 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 where you put your consciousness and your energy is, is what you're feeding. Like be able to begin to see the ridiculousness of it all. Don't get sucked into like thinking the way they think. Not everyone has the courage to like, there are going to be some people who are going to have more courage than others. And what the courage is, is the ability to walk away. And then the ability for people to see like, oh, wow, they walked away from it and not, and their whole lives did not, did not like come crashing down or some things came crashing down. But what kept them supported, what held them up was the magic and mystery of life. You know, that's basically what I do. I used to live a very, very different way. I have been kicked out, left running, you know, cry, kicking and screaming. This is me on the cutting edge, really like, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk. I think there has to be people who do that. And as we begin to see more and more people who are able to go and really push and touch upon the the boundaries of what they say reality is, well, then it encourages more and more people to also begin to expand what they think is possible and capable. So I think we do that until like something like Black Swan event happens, like something unpredictable, which has like very lasting and so you were saying a black swan event. Well, just like get the paradigm like shift. Something, well, well, that's something you can't plan for. That's why, like, I'm not saying like you wait around for that. We do what you can control right now. You have courage. You begin to see things as they are. Don't feed it. Recognize how that system works. Know your inner world, not the inner world. I mean, this is so I created a course which is called Shifting Out of False Time. I do that as like a model, not to say this is how it's done, but this is a way of inspiration in which I am personally playing with this in order to inspire other people to come up with their own ways. This gives me an opportunity to go and support myself. I live as, I live as lean as I possibly can because for two reasons. I don't pay taxes and I want to not pay taxes and not be a tax invader. I want to not pay taxes because I don't fucking play in their money game. But like, this is how I do it. But like, this is what, th these are ways. Like we see each other that are willing to go and take that risk and see like what life would be like without the value systems and the beliefs that we have been indoctrinated to accept to be true. No, I like it. And you're just laying the groundwork of one path that can be taken while inspiring people to think for themselves of other paths that they could take. Well, yeah. Well, and I specifically show like, this is how you go and you create like time systems in order to like, I, I make my own engagement books. Like I've got like regular, like things I do. I interact with human beings. I have appointments, I have children, I have all of that sort of stuff, but I won't use their calendar. I go and I create my own engagement book based upon their calendar system, but in a different way on the lunar system. I do that because I want to make certain that I am not unconsciously accepting all of their beliefs in time. So I teach that. I teach natural astrology. There's, there's, a, there's something of great importance in astrology 
but there's a lot of bullshit and there's a lot of imprisonment in astrology. So I, I talk through that. That's what I teach in the course. And then how one uses that, you know, that's what, that's, that's up to the individual. That's what the inspiration is for. It's like, it's like, Hey, this is what I've learned guys. This is what, this is what Mike's got. You guys take and run with it your way. You tell me what you guys got. Like, you know, and as we, as we find our way out of this together. I know. I think that's good. I think that's a, a great way to interact with people and for your course to go. Can I, before we get disconnected again, can I pepper you with some questions and we'll just get to crazy? Yes. All right. What do you think this world that we're in? Do you think we're in base reality? I don't know. Okay. What do you think this world is? Weird as fuck. <laughs> it's like password. Yeah, uh, no, I don't I like know. It. I know. Yeah. So like, I, if you watch some of the videos, which I, I put out presentations on YouTube, and I've got a knack of like showing some really, 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 really weird things which don't make sense. So I usually like frame it around my life. Like, for example, this farmhouse that I'm living in right now, it's in Berks County, Pennsylvania. House, the farmhouse was built in 1790. When I moved here, I, fa- I found this out. I didn't, f- I didn't know this until I moved here. And I moved here on, on December 27th of last year. My great my great grandfather to the eighth power arrived in the new world like four miles away from this house wow in 17 in the 1760s and the uh, and i know this just by looking at like ancestry.com and i can see where the where he married my eight-time great-grandmother and there's a date on it. And that date is, was the same date that me and, and my lady, we signed the lease to stay in this house. Like, like weird shit like that. Like, I don't know what that is. Like on a certain level, I'm like, that sounds like a computer program to me. Or like another level is like, you know, that's some strange ass like time travel. I don't know. I've got many, 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 many examples of things like that in my life. And it's led me to the conclusion that I don't know what this realm is, but I see bleed through and strange things that that all around me. And I'm not going to limit it by say by 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 fooling myself by thinking that I know what it is. But I am interested in how it works. That I think is knowable. Do you think there are currently people who can fully manipulate their environment now that they know exactly where we are and how it works? Ooh, isn't that a good question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I like this, like, you know, I like this. I like to think that, and they're all us. Like, I don't like to, to put any weight in the us versus them. There's another story which kind of says like, you know, we're, we're the ones waking ourselves up sort of thing. And so like, uh, if that's the case, like, you know, there are people who are doing the manipulating or more aware, somehow that's you and me ourselves. Like we're, we're involved with it and it's part of the process of, of figuring it out. Maybe that's like part of the game is like figuring out the game. Like you can only learn to, you can't learn to ride a bike by reading about it. You have to get on the bike and you got to fall down a few times before you figure out what it's like to, to actually hold your balance while you're pedaling on two wheels. No, I think that's good. And you know, I, I think about that a lot. Like I've had some friends pass away that were even a little bit younger than me at the time. And 
you know, either heart conditions or car accidents or things, you know, and the God always takes them too young, whatever it might be, whatever that saying is. And part of that though was like, they're like, they were really good people. Now they also, I don't think they were fully into this, but is it also, you know, when you start figuring things out, do you get called home sooner? And then the people that are here longer don't always figure it out and they come back for another round. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, those, those are, those are, those are, are, are fair questions. Yeah. So I was, I was watching a YouTube video today about uh, Jordy Ross and he created this D-Wave and this other company and it's quantum computers and quibits. And I was going down this whole deep rabbit hole and he's talking about every year, the number of quibits will double. And this was a 2016 interview. So that was what, uh, seven, eight years ago. So now these quibits in 2016, he was comparing when they first started at the speed of a donkey to an SR 87 or 78, whatever. So like super spy jet, how fast it is and that they can each quib is creating a different dimension and it can bleed through. Do you think there's a way to interact with other dimensions? So I'm really not certain what a dimension means, but my answer is yes. I think there's bleed through. Whatever, whatever the different dimensions are, I've experienced a lot of bleed through and I experienced a lot of bleed through through books. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Let me go and show, throw out this one more thing, which I think is really interesting as it relates to Gordy Rose and D-Wave. So the very first computer, do you know what the first computer is? The Mac? No, it's called ENIAC. It's E-N-I-A-C. It's the Electrical Numerical Integrator Arithmetic Computer. It was developed for the U.S. military. It's the, fir- it's the first general programmable computer. There was another computer made in Britain beforehand, but it wasn't programmable. It only did one thing. So the first like computer, which was like programmable, like general, that was it's called ENIAC. It was made for the U.S. government during World War II, and it's located Aberdeen Proving Grounds, right on the Susquehanna and Chesapeake Bay Exchange. So I did all of this like research when I started talking about the Susquehanna River, like kind of tying in ENIAC to Enochian magic. So like, there's a wordplay between the two. Like Enoch is what Enochian magic is called or is named for, and ENIAC is the computer. And they are based upon Enochian magic is based upon the works of John D. Are you familiar with John D? Right. So the the Jordy Ross thing was the D wave. And that was exactly. the, a little nod exactly. to him. Right. Yep. So John D like being the guy who came up with the idea of Enochian magic, the guy who came up with the British empire, the guy who was the original 007 when he would sign his letters to Queen Elizabeth the first, or that same sort of guy whose mind was said to be so like a brilliant mind, but he was just a binary mind. He had no sort of like creativity with his mind. He was a computer mind. Like, so the first computer is his Enochian magic. And then the first quantum computer is Gordy Rosicrucian because John D was the head of the Rosicrucians. And like Jordy Rose is doing a little John D wave into us all. This world is so fucking crazy. But yes, it is. Particularly when you're paying attention to it. Everything is just a nod to you, like a little wink and a nod. Yes. Yes. All right. So you, you said you um, astrology a little bit. Uh, and I don't know if you have this answer. Why is why is the moon up during the day sometimes? And, you know, so is China not have the moon when that's happening over here? Like 90% of the time <laughs> I go outside and I can see the moon and, you know, and have a general idea where it's supposed to be. And then other times the moon's up until noon, 1, 2 p.m. And then it's gone and it'll come back up. And this is just probably stupid. I'll edit this out at some point, but whatever. But like the sun never randomly comes up at night. 
but why is the moon randomly here during the day? Or am I too? I, I just don't understand any of no, those. Are, those are those are great questions. Like I developed this thing called the Starboard, and I practice this thing called natural astrology, and it answers all of those sort of questions. So here's one thing: you said the sun's never up at night. The sun is what defines night. So the right? lack of because sun defines night. Yeah. So it's like okay. so like just keeping that in, in mind. The moon moves much, much, much faster as the sun. So think about it this way. A new moon is when this when the moon rises at the same time the sun rises. So that entire day, that entire that 24 hour period, the moon is more or less with the sun. And that's why you don't see the, the moon at night. All right. The full moon, when there's a full moon, the moon rises when the sun sets. So the full moon is like two weeks later. So in a two-week period, the moon goes from rising when the sun when the sun rises to then rising when the sun sets. And then two weeks later, the sun and the moon are going to rise at the same time again. So there is a, 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 a change in speed between the moon and the sun during that two-week period. And there are going to be times where the, the moon is going to be rising in the middle of the day. There are going to be times when the moon is going to be rising in the middle of the night, depending upon where you are in the in the phase of the moon. And once you begin to like pick up on those natural rhythms, like you, you become become aware of when the moon's rising, when the moon's setting. And it's really you just need to know that relative to the sun. Uh, and you'll know that also by the phase of the moon, whether it's new, first quarter, full or last quarter, then all of that stuff begins to make sense to you. And the reason why I think that's important, like it's it's kind of cool like to be able to like, oh, I know when the moon's coming. But what you're doing is you're taking your consciousness. Your consciousness is going to go somewhere and you're applying it to literally natural time. You're aware of your surroundings. You're aware of the rhythm of your surroundings. Whatever you pay your attention to, this is true for all of us, wherever we pay our attention, we are creating a feedback loop to it. So the more energy we put into the system, the more energy we put into the values of the system, of all the things the system tells us, the more we're, that, that becomes the loom of our life. When we become more aware of the natural world in any way, but particularly the timekeeping systems of it, what you're doing is you're creating a feedback loop on that level of reality. You're beginning to, to move outside, outside of, um, of like the, the artificial realm in which you've been indoctrinated to live your entire life in. And when that happens, it creates space for, for very, very different types of experience. No, that's fair. Thank you. So the calendar, so you said the moon's 28 to 30 days. There are winter solstice, the summer solstice. These are natural markers. time periods. Markers. Yes. Right? They're markers. So, yes. That's so if what we were they building, are. So if we were building a natural, we've ripped apart the word calendar, so I don't want to use it, but that's the word that's coming to mind. If we were to build a natural right. calendar, it's 28 to 30 days for the moon. Then there's natural markers for the summer solstice, the winter solstice, and then there's fall equinox and the spring equinox. Right. So these are all natural markers. Was so I would look I would look at it just purely like markers and understanding time. Like like so the the as soon as we we, we don't need to reinvent the calendar. You can use a calendar which is out there right now. There, there, there are other calendars as well. It's just recognizing what it is and then right. not I, losing track of the natural time markers and and 
where they are, and then paying attention to what's happening in your life during those times. What I will say is when the mindset of, well, let me come up with a natural calendar and that is totally in alignment with the system, which is kind of close to what the Jewish calendar is because the Jewish months start on the first of, of every lunation. It's still based upon like a lot of like the, the, the values or the ways of life of the system. So I don't really like, I don't personally, I don't think about like, there's like the right calendar as much as it is like, there is a way to look at the calendar, which we have, which, which frees us from how it could, uh, how it could potentially imprison us. Right. I'm certainly not reinventing the calendar. I have zero time for that. My question <laughs> would be, why did they pervert the calendar to 365, create, you know, the, you hear things about uh, Julius Caesar and, and June, and then February only has 28 days. Why was the calendar perverted when there already was, you know, a sky calendar, a sky clock that could have been written down if you want to track years? All right. Well, so you brought up Julius Caesar. The word calendar is a Latin word. It's a Latin concept from, from like the times of the Caesars and calendar means like when you pay your bills. So the okay. whole idea of a calendar is always about you paying your bills anyway, because you're always been a slave. You know, you're always paying for your existence, but the three sixty five, the three, three sixty and three sixty five. that, you know, they're really, that's a cycle. There's a solar cycle. It's, it's basically 365 days. There's like, there's, there's some accuracy. Like our calendar is grounded in an accurate description of our reality. It's like not totally ridiculous, but there is ridiculousness in it. I mean, the fact that September means seven and it's the ninth month and October means 10 or, or eight and it's the 10th month and December means 10 and it's the 12th month. Like there's just embedded in the language like it's nonsense or it's nonsensical. When this, when you ask me, like, well, what do you do? Like earlier, you're like, well, how do we, how do we like move out of, how do we encourage this paradigm shift? Well, and I said, like, it begins by having awareness. It's like, I'm not saying go out and invent a calendar to anyone. I'm saying be aware of like how the, what the calendar system is. Be aware of time. Be aware of like, like of all of this stuff that you're encouraged not to be aware of. You are given a, billion things a day to keep your awareness on anything other than your own inner world and the own your own awareness of what is happening in life you know reclaim that that's a good place to start and realize like it's a mystery so i'll wrap this up because we were talking about um stage magicians in the beginning so you're being told not you people are being told to focus on the calendar focus on time but that's what the magician is doing to you when he's doing a card trick. He's like, look at this card, and you're not seeing what the other hand's doing, which is actually doing the trick. So <laughs> focus on the things that are important to you. That's going to create your reality. That's going to create your awareness. Look up at the sky, even just to see stars and be like, oh wow, it actually is beautiful outside. You know, but don't get all caught up in the nonsense. And you know, we talked about diet and you know, should humans even eat? But you know, we currently we do have to eat though. But also we have to. Currently, yeah, we at least most people have to. Like, I know a lot of people claim that they're moving to become breathitarians. I'll believe it when I see it, but I certainly think there's a lot of promise. It's my personal thought that, like, 
like eating is a special thing to do as opposed to something which we have to do every day. But our bodies have become accustomed to eating every day. That's that's what seems to make sense to me. But I've heard a lot about the breatharians. I've yet to meet one or been able to exactly. get in contact with one, but it would be very interesting. Um, but we are open to it. And that's like that's basically all 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 we can ask for right now. Like these are the things, these are the things which I think are important. Like we find ourselves on the continuum of like wanting to like really see a major paradigm shift. And then you 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 hold an open posture and then also like know like how much risk you can take. There's some people who can't take that much risk. Like there's we're we're in this together. It's not a competition. Like that's one of the biggest lies about this whole thing is the competition mindset. Right. If you can't take that big of a risk, you can always help out. So there, there yeah. always is that there's something you can do. So my other yeah. part about the people eating, it's also mental food though. You know, you're aware of the system. You're aware of being boxed in. So don't sit there yeah. and spend all day on Twitter and on social media and just sucking in, you know, this chaos that just gets fed to you over and over the six o'clock news. Like the, they're never talking about the litter of kittens that was born and how cute they are and a brand new baby. It's always nonsense to get you excited or to get you angry or to get an emotion everything is always emotion and if you know, realize that it's take that, a step back here's the 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 most important thing when watching the news this is what they always have done and always will do it's always six months to 10 years in the future all it can do is create anxiety there's nothing you could ever do and they're always telling you about stuff that you can't do anything about that's the modus operandi it becomes humorous once you begin to like see it through that lens and what they're doing it's ridiculous you're absolutely right we bring awareness how the game is played what you're going to feed into and like you know and and yeah and, and if anything you know just don't be an asshole to other people right about now cuz there are a lot of people who are who are just like everyone seemingly at their breaking point it's almost by design. You know, that seems oh, like we're yeah, pushing almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> almost. If, if only they were smart enough to do that. But Mike, I appreciate you. Where can people find you? Right now, like probably the best thing you could do is uh, you can always go to, you could search on Susquehanna Alchemy. Uh, YouTube, there's lots of videos out there. Um, Susquehanna Alchemy, Instagram. Probably if they w- want to support me, the go to linktree backslash Susquehanna Alchemy. I'll send you all the links if you could include that in the... I'll put in the show notes, 100%. In the show notes, that would be great. Or yep. And I'll also give the email because I do one-on-one sessions with people, whether that's like I look at their astrology, teach them natural astrology or what have you. Like, you know, those are the different ways which I can interact with people and, and so forth. So I'm, I'm grateful for any of those opportunities. I love... I love the questions. This was a lot of fun, Brian. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great night and I hope you get to race those cars one day. Go up there and just take it over, man. (laughs) All right. See you, brother. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.